Welcome to Private Club Radio, your weekly source for industry education, news and discussion. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Gabriel Aloisi. Hey there, welcome to Private Club Radio. On today's episode, we're going to speak with Alan Akat, and here's what I think you'll get out of it. Alan right now is doing an interim management position at a club. I think there's some great advice in today's interview for you young managers and for you managers who are also going to change roles very soon because what you're going to get on today is Alan's philosophy on how he comes into a brand new club. And that happens so often in our industry. Management moves are being made all the time. And to come in with a plan and to decide what action to take, what fires to put out, or what things to concentrate on, I think is really valuable information. And so you're going to get a little of Alan's philosophy here today on Private Club Radio. That interview is coming up in just a moment. I was at the PGA show all this week. I drove over to Orlando three times. So I was in traffic for about 10 hours (laughs) last week. But I did it for you because for those of you who were not able to attend the PGA show, I wanted to give you a sneak peek, lift up the curtain, let you know what some of the new technology is that's coming out, some of the brands that you should be aware of. And we got to have some really fun interviews. I spoke with Greg Norman. Greg and I discussed some of the new technology that Garmin is rolling out, which really is impressive. I got to tell you, and I'm generally not impressed by GPS gadgets, but they have some incredible new technology over at Garmin. I spoke with Mizuno, with Hanma, with Wilson staff, which have some incredible new irons, these blades that I loved. I went over to Royal Albatross and learned about their new fashion line. So we covered a myriad of things, and I'm putting that content up at Let's Play Through on our YouTube channel, Let's Play Through. If you haven't already done so, it's time to subscribe. I could really use your help in spreading the word. I need to get over a 1,000 subscribers. I'm stuck right now in the 600s, so your help would mean the world to me. If you have not already, hit the subscribe button, and please tell your friends, encourage your members at your club to watch the show. It's a very entertaining show. If you've got members that take golf trips, they'll love it, I promise. All right. The next thing I want to talk about is our incredible sponsor, Member Text. They have really changed the game when it comes to member communications. If you are looking to have better than email open rates, get better response times, get easier RSVPs for your events, Member Text is the way to do that. The website is membertext.net. Justin Baer is the founder, and you've heard him give us some education here on this show on how to better reach millennials and communicate with your members. And he's an all-around good guy. Give it a spin. Let him take you through a demo. It's well worth it. It's extremely affordable and worthy of your time. Just trust me. The other folks I want to give a shout out to our Concert Golf Partners, now sponsors of this show for three years running. They are doing incredible work coming into private clubs and helping these clubs inject fresh capital, making big improvements to the clubs, and the members never have an assessment. I think it's a wonderful model that more clubs should consider. Check out ConcertGolfPartners.com to learn more about their capital infusion process. They've got a great video on that website that you should watch as well. 
All right, without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to our featured guest of the week, Mr. Alan Akats. Enjoy. Well, my guest today is Alan Akats, a returning guest here to Private Club Radio. He was also a co-contributor to the ABCs of Plutonium Club Leadership, and uh, we're happy to have him on for the uh, new year. Alan, how are you, sir? Oh, Gabe, I'm excellent. Great talking as always, and Happy New Year to you and everyone else that's going to be listening. I think 2020 is going to be a great year for the club industry. I'm really excited for it, and so I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm just happy to be on the phone with you and and, and talking about really cool things, exciting things that you're doing. So let us know what you're up to, Alan. Well, uh, Gabe, I'm uh, once again I'm an interim club manager. Uh, even though I left the industry years ago and uh, started hanging my own shingle as a safety consultant, I've been tapped on the shoulder, and actually this is the fourth time I've been back as an interim. Wow. And it, it's it's pretty interesting, you know, a situation because really there's no other field where you have a, a manager might be suddenly uh, uh, let go and then a person walks in you know, while the staff is still reeling, you know, with the full emotion and you're walking in moments after things happen. So um, uh, you're walking into at times people are distressed and very emotional. Yeah. Oh, I bet. Yeah. It's got to be a it's got to be a lot of different things happening, a lot of different challenges. You know, my first question, I guess, is how do you how do you decide what needs to be addressed and when to address it? Well, uh, you have to set the tone, and, and I, I, well, maybe I'll take a step back because um, uh, there's a list of club uh, on the CMAA website that are interim club managers. Yeah. Um, so there are many of us that put our name out there and um, list our geographical area where I just smile and say I'm basically East Coast and I don't go, you know, west of the Mississippi. So. Um, so you you know up front you're being confidentially interviewed uh, with a board member or club president, you know that uh, change is about to happen. Yeah. And but that being said, you know as a club manager, I walked into the uh, uh, walked into the club uh, and all of a sudden I walk in the room and you can just tell you know what's going to happen. And I always hate the line we're going in a different direction. <laughs> yeah. And so. But, you know, that's that's what they say. Sure. Well, as an interim, what I do when I come in the, the operation, and I said this as I was being interviewed uh, uh, for this uh, position, you know, I know you're going in a different direction, but what is your direction? Yeah. And now all of a sudden you get the, the doe in the headlights look, and, well, okay, well, let's we have to talk <laughs> about this a little bit more. Right. Um, <laughs> I love that question. Well, it's, it's a biggie, and... So one thing I did say, and I've said it more than one occasion in my interim positions, you know, when I walk in and, and I look at this as an interim manager, I get to say what I think needs to be said. And then I don't worry about, you know, being fired because I already know I'm leaving. Sure. And, you know, I can jokingly say it, but it's the darndest truth. Right. So, so what happened in, you know, it doesn't matter this situation, last situation, but I've, uh, you know, gone in and I've been the, the, the agent of change. And so going to this, you know, question, what is the direction? So when I came into this operation, the first steps are you have to set the tone. You have to assuage the fears of the staff members because everyone hates change. And all of a sudden, if change is at the top, 
you know, the question is who's next. So what I've learned and the way to start with it is I start with my background and I tell them just a little bit. And then I say, but it's enough about me right now. It's all about you. So tell me about you. Okay. Tell me your name. Tell me what department you are in and you know how long you've been here. And then I throw a curve. Now I'm a big reader. And so there's various books that I get into, but I ask them, what are you reading? And most people don't think about, well, what am I reading now? So the reason I went with that is, I don't know if you've read the book, Start With Why by Simon Sinek. I have, yes. Everyone mm-hmm. has, you know, and people say, well, what do you do? And if they're intrigued, then they say, well, how do you do that? But no one asks why you do what you're doing. So when I came in this operation, I bought copies of Start With Why for the whole board as well as for the whole executive staff. And then there's a raving fans committee here. I also bought copies of the book for them. Because what is the why? What is, why are you here? Why are you doing what you're doing? Yeah. So now the staff is asking why more often, and it's a great thing. So now we've been able to you know, de- develop some cohesiveness in the, the short time that I've been here. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> now, after, you know, the first steps of, you know, setting the tone and going from there, the next thing that, you know, that I did that, you know, I would recommend everyone do, it's like walking into uh, a new position. You have to set up your one-on-one uh, interviews with each department head. And, you know, the finance committee, the, you know, the, the, well, I'll say the director of finance, the golf pro, the superintendent, the tennis pro, um, chef, clubhouse manager, membership, maintenance, HR, fitness. And so, you, obviously that takes time, takes notes, you know, the sit down time and, you know, make them comfortable and then build on it from there. And then you start looking at what you're doing. So at that point in time, you know, uh, uh, I told them I'd be giving them the book so they knew this was up and coming. And then, you know, I got into a little bit of my why, you know, sure, I'm a safety guy, but I'm a former club manager. You never leave it behind. Right. So let me pause there and, you know, I'll let you ask another question, and we can go to the next level of what else you want to get into. Okay, beautiful. So, well, first of all, I just want to highlight that point. I think what you're doing there is is really smart because when you're when you're giving somebody a book like that, you are very softly introducing them to your philosophy without browbeating them. So I think, first of all, that's really genius for any manager, whether you're an interim manager or you're going into your, your, your next job for the first, you know, for the first 90 days. What a great, what a great piece of advice Alan just gave us, um, that you can really give your philosophy and your way of doing things to somebody. Um, so first of all, I just wanted to highlight that and say, well done. Um, the next question I have for you, go ahead, Alan. Dave, hold that question because you just hit on something else. What you said, there's another book that's titled the first 90 days. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't think of the author, but I recently read the first 90 days, um, and I brought this book in as well. I would recommend the first 90 days for any new GM. Nice. Because it talks about what you're supposed to do. How do you get aligned? How do you build your team? How do you take a look at, um, you know, an inspiration for vision statements? You know, how do you look at your various departments? You can actually look at them as in the different types of businesses. Are they a startup business? Are they a turnaround business? 
are they you know sustaining success or maybe or do they need realignment mm. so that's another book that all club managers in transition should be uh, reading especially before they go into a club I love it. So you got another one. That's one I hadn't heard of. Uh, I definitely want to check that one out. But um, first ninety days, and who's who's the author of that one, Alan? Do you, do you know? I can't think of it right now. Okay, um, um, that's a pretty. It's it's out there. I think it was written about. Uh, I know. I just read it again. So I think it was originally came out in about two thousand twelve or two thousand thirteen. All right, I'm actually googling it right now so we can get that author name for people here. Uh, <laughs> it looks like it's written okay. by Mike Michael Wat, Watkins. Michael Watkins. Michael Thank D. You. Watkins, first ninety days. Check that book out. So that's that's another great great tip there, Alan. Thank you. I know that you you said that you you're a guy who goes in and solves challenges. Um, there's probably a few other ways you can approach uh, you know some kind of interim position like this. So let's talk about that. I know you've got an intriguing story from a headhunter you talked to once. Okay. Well, uh, operational challenges are going to vary from club to club. Uh, and I did speak with a, a principal at one of the search firms. And he gave me some insights that I had never quite realized, but I've actually gone through these various scenarios in the uh, the four positions that I've done. In the first case, you're walking in and you're there to take care of status quo. You know, you're there to monitor the operation. You're not going to make any changes or anything. Um, and you're just going to build on it, uh, you know, build on their current successes and then take them to the next GM. Now, you can also walk in, and this one's happened as well, where staff members are very antagonistic of you being there. They are not going to cooperate. They're not going to buy into what you're doing. So now you're, you, you already have people because they're thinking, hey, I'm going to be here after you're gone, so I don't have to do a damn thing that you want to be done. Uh, now, obviously, if there's gross insubordination, well, that's going to be, you know, uh, termination expense. But the third uh, uh, approach, and this is uh, uh, what this uh, uh, search uh, firm person said to me, is the person that goes in and knocks down the obstacles, uh, addresses everything that comes up. And what I have, and I, I right now it's, um, um, I call it a war book. I have a four-inch ring binder that's, uh, you know, I've been here roughly seven weeks, maybe eight weeks now, and it's already got four inches of stuff in there. Uh, there's probably about 30 or 40 tabs. Um, and some of the tabs, you know, as I'm looking at this, um, I read the club bylaws. I'll recommend everyone read the bylaws, read the club rules. I have a tab for each of these where I've read things in the bylaws and the club rules that are maybe not up up to current uh, standards is the way to put it. I have a tab for finance. Obviously, you're going to get into finance. There's house committee. There's HR. There's F&B. There's wine. Um, uh, and then I get into, uh, you know, I'll ask the questions, you know, how are the um, are all the I-9s up to date? Are, uh, is everyone's job description up to Fair Labor Standards Act? You know, so, you know, you're just digging deeper. And another part of the digging deeper, as I call it, and this knocking down the obstacles, if something doesn't pass the smell test, you have to dig deeper. And I've come into a few obstacles where we are um, challenging various items of why we're doing what's being done. And again, there we go back to why. Mm. Um, and so you just have to dig deeper and ask for questions. You know, someone, uh, someone thinks that, you know, making revenue is putting profit in the bottom line. Well, 
uh, we're looking at a few items that that is not the case. Sure. Sure. And not everything has to ROI either. <laughs> I think that, uh, well, thank you very much. And, and, you know, some of it's giveaways and, you know, it's, I'm glad you said it that way. Um, in looking at this operation, uh, and this is, and I'll share this, uh, something I learned from Charles Dorn of, uh, Dorn Hospitality Group. Um, Charles tells a story about the comps, the items that are given away. And, you know, it may start with nuts on the bar, then it goes to goldfish, and, you know, now you put water out, but I want a Diet Coke and everything else. And I pulled up what's given away, you know, at this operation. And through the end of November, I have $43,000 of product that's giving away to the members. Mm. And, wow. you know, it's everything from, you know, the bar nuts to, you know, I'll say it's not just the mixed nuts, it's the premium stuff. It's it's baked goods, it's cookies, it's desserts. And you just say, whoa, that's a whole lot of money. <laughs> sure, sure. I, but I love that because I think I think that's... That's the intangible, you know, the invaluable stuff. That's the, when 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 that sort of thing happens, you you feel like, um, you know, a little closer to to the club or to the person who did something like that for you. So we we actually did a very similar thing to that, Alan. Um, we just had our twelve gifts of Christmas uh, over the course of the you know the holidays here, and we did things like we created personalized notepads for people. I gave free Starbucks coffee gift cards out. We sent free books to people and there was no catch to that. We just wanted to give people gifts. And I and I feel and I feel like when you do something like that, and anytime we've ever done that with our own clients, they've felt that we weren't just out, you know, for some kind of a money grab, right? Like we really cared about them and we wanted to build a relationship with them. And I think by doing things like that, things that don't necessarily have a quote unquote return on investment is sometimes the most valuable thing you can do to get people to fall in love with your brand, if that makes sense. And and branding is one thing, and uh, but a lot of people don't realize the intangibles. Yeah. And, you know, I know I brought it right up to uh, one of the board members to say, you know, you can start taking a look at things, but recognize, you know, this is what's being done here, and no one shares that number, okay? Right. And it just starts with little stuff, but then there's a lot of little stuff that uh, just keeps adding on top of that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'll give you one other example. I walked into, um, I was in at TPC Denzante Bay in in Mexico. Um, we were shooting a show, uh, one of our Let's Play Through episodes down there. And when I walked into my hotel room, um, First of all, on the bed, they had like in like coffee beans spelled out like welcome, Mr. Aloisi, which I thought was super cool. <laughs> and then but beyond that, then it took me, you know, I was looking around the, ho- you know, the room and kind of getting acquainted with the room. Then I finally went over to my bed stand and there was literally a framed picture that they had taken from like uh, my Instagram account, framed it. It was it was someplace I had just been a week ago. I was in Dubai, and they put it there at my bed table. You know, and it had like my name and and it said "Welcome to Loretto, Mexico." Like again, that kind of stuff. Like you can't put a price tag on what that does to your members or guests when you when you're that when you do something like that. And again, you can't you can't trace that to a a bottom line figure on a, on a balance sheet, but. You know that kind of stuff is 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 genius to me anyway. So I love that you're, exactly. you guys are doing that. There's sort of the wow thing. factor. That's, uh, yep. that's another great part of it. 
Yep. Wow factor. I, I love that. <laughs> I know you are a security guy. So when you're when you're coming into a, a new place uh, like you're at now, I, I assume you're looking at at, at the security and, and all that surrounds it. So what's your approach there, Alan? Well, it's more safety, but security is behind the safety. Um, right. Um, so with the safety, um, I do. I did look right up front with. Um, uh, the workers' comp because I want to know what injuries have had happened in the past, um, and since I help with OSHA compliance, I looked at the OSHA logs as I first mm-hmm. walked in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll put that and I'll segue back to that in a little bit. Um, but one thing that I do in early part is we all have heard of management by walking around. Yeah. Um, so the first thing of what I do at the club is every day I try and come in a different door. I come in with a new set of eyes. Um, so, and by that, I look at things. And there, here's another book uh, that I'll mention, um, and I pulled this out as well. Uh, it's called Broken Windows, Broken Business. Mm. Um, and the storyline of this book, and you know, simply put, it was uh, written by the former um, um, police commissioner under... Um, um, who is it under um, mayor of New York? So um, um, I, I think it was under Giuliani's uh, uh, Michael Kelly, I think is who wrote the book. Michael Levine. Um, it looks like Michael Levine. I just Googled that one Le- too. Levine, thank, you, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a uh, constant Googler. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. But what the storyline is on the book is if you have a broken window in a warehouse and you don't repair your window, Bottom line is you're encouraging more people to throw rocks through your windows, mm. okay? And that's mm-hmm. you know, the way I'll put it. Yeah. So as I walk in the operation, I'm looking at how does the concrete look? How does the lawn look? What's the cleanliness of the windows? Um, and then and now on the safety side, you know, what's the condition of the cords, okay? How are the mats, okay? So we get into this, and part of this, and... You know, this uh, I'm segueing into my executive staff meeting every week where um, I have all the key staff members there. I'm sure everyone's already doing executive staff meetings, but I start every week with finance committee because to me, that's the most important part of how the money's coming in, how it's going out. Okay, if we're not watching our dollars, okay, uh, they're going to be going out the window pretty quick. Right. But the next thing I do is we just go around the table, however anyone's sitting, and, you know, I'll go one way one week, the other way the next week. But bottom line is, as I told the HR person, if there is an accident or an injury at the club, that takes precedence over finance. So that's the safety guide because the staff doesn't do what you expect, and I've said this for years, the staff does what you inspect. So if all of a sudden they know that you're watching, you know, water on the floor to make sure it's wiped up so no one falls, and it happened here on Thanksgiving Day, I walked through and I said, get the water off the floor. Not even 10 minutes later, well, they got the water off the floor, but they got more water on the floor and someone slipped. (laughs) Oh, geez. I'm saying, okay, it happened right after I said it, so uh, now they know that this is what we're looking at. Right. So... Now, okay, as I said, I've been here uh, not quite two months yet, but um, what I'm looking at now is I will be doing a safety audit for the club. And uh, there is a safety team here, which is fantastic, but I told them I haven't had time, especially with the holidays, 
to get involved with it, but the staff knows I'm going to be doing a simulated OSHA site tour for the whole operation. Are they changing anything? Are they doing anything different? They don't know what I'm looking for. Right. So once they do know it, then they will um, address it. And we've changed things along the way, like uh, make sure that the uh, on the grounds crew that they're wearing safety glasses, and instead of wearing music earbuds, they're wearing hearing protection, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so I always laugh when the music is louder than the blower they're using. It's, <laughs> yeah, uh, not good. <laughs> Jeez. So, but uh, there's a lot of things, and, um, you know, with that, you know, the safety side of it, it's just difficult to dig deeper, okay, yeah. until you have um, your baseline set of, you know, what's what's happening as you're walking around, the staff knows what you're looking for. Right. Well, I think it's so important to um, for for managers to understand what you, as a you know kind of third set of eyes, comes in to look for, um, so that when they start their next job somewhere, wherever that might be, they they have a few ideas of what maybe they should be focusing on. Now, obviously, when you're not uh, doing the interim uh, GM roles, you are um, working with clubs on their safety through your own firm. So let's talk about that, Alan, and how you help clubs with, with safety. Well, thank you. And it's, it's actually part of it's happening here. Um, we had, um, and I know I'm going to be working with the club on an emergency action plan. And what happened a few weeks ago, uh, we had a uh, expansion uh, valve on a hot water tank blow. Um, fortunately it was, well, it was at the fitness department, but it was during the daytime while my, uh, maintenance director was still here. Well, he got over there and, um, he was wet from head to foot. It, it took a couple of days for his sneakers to dry out, as I'll jokingly say, wow. it really was his boots. <laughs> um, but it showed me that I don't know where the water shutoffs are. I don't know where the electric shutoffs are. I don't know where the gas shutoffs are. So the staff knows that we're going to be doing an emergency action plan for the clubhouse for the fitness building, as I understand the superintendent already has one. So the idea is to open the dialogue so everyone knows where the shutoffs are so they can get to them. And that is also going to include, you know, the the people in accounting as well as um, uh, food and beverage and executive staff. Everyone will know where all the shutoffs are and we'll take pictures. In fact, I'll even say this, there was, uh, Oklahoma uh, City Golf and Country Club is the best um, pictures of where all the shutoff valves for their water, gas, and electric are building by building. Nice. So, and that's, <clears throat> you know, I'll give credit where credit's due. So, unless you tell the staff where it is and how to do it, or the other side is how not to do it, you don't want to shut off the water for an area if you might need it for, uh, I wouldn't say sprinkler systems, that's obvious, but. If you have water-cooled equipment, your maintenance person might have to tell you what to do with that. The the next item with you know with safety for here, uh, which I haven't done yet, I haven't asked them what uh, policies and procedures they have. Right. And by that, do they have a written hazard communication plan, mm-hmm. a written bloodborne pathogen plan? <clears throat> and I <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me. As the safety guy, being the GM, it's more important that I address. The concerns, you know, the fiduciary concerns for the board and what's needed rather than getting into the safety stuff, but that will be happening in the next 45 days. Well, in the end, the safety stuff can can cause a lot more financial distress to a club if they don't address it, right? The answer is yes. And and I'm smiling because 
I'm only the interim. I know I'm going to be departing, as I already said. Um, so it's my job to get and knock the big stuff down for the next manager so he or she will be in great shape when, uh, uh, when things are needed to be done. Um, and here's another item, and actually I'm thinking about this, and, you know, going back and, you know, as I um, you know, um, mentioned the first 90 days. One item for people to think about is to identify who your supporters are, uh, who your opponents are, and who your uh, potential persuaders are, who can be persuaded to be either a supporter or uh, opponent. Hmm. So yep. uh, it's something you know to consider because you're definitely it's the club industry. Um, private club uh, advisor just had something great the other day to talk about members respecting employees, and you know I just had a couple examples here in, in my short tenure where we've had to talk about you know members respecting employees, and it's. Um, it happens, and if it's happening to the interim manager who can say what he thinks he has to say and not worry about the concerns, it's definitely happening to managers and employees. Oh, certainly, yeah. Well, it's nice that you can identify those problems and maybe give the, the incoming manager a heads up on, on what he needs to look at when he pops in the door as well. Exactly. So, Alan, I've, so that's a, a long-winded thing. It's yeah. always a pleasure talking, Gabe. Yeah, Is there anything it. else you want from me? I've enjoyed it immensely, Alan. Um, how about one big, bold prediction for 2020 from you? Wow. Um, the club industry is rocking, okay? You know, people are spending money. It's, uh, you know, they want to come to clubs. So, um, you know, as I'll say, just keep enhancing uh, your behind-the-scenes um, uh, operations. You know, take care of, uh, you know, the, the cheaper money, okay? You know, borrow a little bit more if need be and spend it to enhance the back of the, the house. Mm, smart. I'm doing the same thing in my business. Um, I'm, I'm making some investments, taking a few risks that I normally wouldn't take because better get it while the getting's good, right? You know, you're thinking right, Gabe, the way I'm doing it as well. So <laughs> Excellent. So I know I'll be seeing you probably at the club managers or seeing you at NCA. So I'll um, see you soon for uh, sure. In the meantime, let me wish you a happy new year, and I'm sure we'll be talking soon about other items. Happy new year to you, Alan. Thanks for coming on the show, sir. Thanks a lot, Gabe. Have a great day. That's going to wrap it up. I've got some video to edit for the Let's Play Through channel, so go check it out. I'll catch you back here next week on Private Club Radio, and until then, here's to your membership success. Private Club Radio is brought to you by Concert Golf Partners, helping to preserve and enhance private golf and country clubs. Visit concertgolfpartners.com to learn more about the recapitalization process.